Welcome to the sermon series from Life Church Green Bay. It's our mission to bring the life-giving message of Jesus to the 920 and beyond. We're so glad you're here. If this is your first time joining us, we want to do life with you. While you're listening, fill out our hello card on our website so we can connect with you. Visit lifechurchgreenbay.com forward slash hello to fill it up. Make sure to check the I'm new here and online while filling out the card. We're so glad you're with us today. Here's this week's message. Good morning. I'm so glad you guys are here this morning with us. Hey, if you're watching online, we wish you were here, but we're glad you're there. But I'm glad you guys are here as we are continuing in this series, Summer on the Mount. And even though summer goes until the end of September, um, I know for a lot of us, our summer break is coming to an end. Uh, And so some of us are are really sad about that, but some of us are really happy because maybe if you're like me and my family, you've just noticed that your kids are just sleeping in a lot. Like even though you try to do a lot of events and try to fun things, for some reason my kids are still sleeping in till 11 a.m. And it's gotten to the point where it affects my dog now too. I'm like, come on, man, you're a dog. Like, why aren't you getting, like, he's like, give me a minute. Like he's hitting the snooze button. And, you know, I remember being a kid and going, well, you know, it's, it makes sense. I think when I was a kid, you know, I probably, if I had the opportunity to, I'd probably sleep in also, except for one day a week. And that was Saturdays. You know why? You had Saturday morning cartoons. Now, for anyone who's like under 40, you're like, hey, is there like a stream? What, what platform was that on? No, 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 no. No platform. No recording. You had to get up at 8 a.m. And it was 8 to 11 you had to make sure you got the TV first, and it was just a variety of different shows. I mean, shows for me like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Tom and Jerry, Kids, Garfield, Darkwing Duck, Tasmania, X-Men, Spider-Man, and then one of my favorite shows, Bobby's World. Now, Bobby's World was a great show that was created by Howie Mandel, and it was a story of the life of Bobby generic, not generic, and he had this overreacting imagination in how he saw the world. And I love this show because it just seemed like every time Bobby heard something he didn't understand, his imagination would kind of go wild. Like, I remember there was this episode where Bobby's mom asked Bobby, hey, don't pick your nose. And he goes, pick my nose. And then we go this imagination where he's at a nose store picking out a nose that he's going to do. And I love that because I did the same thing. I would take things and just literally imagine them. Like, for example, I heard my mom one time say, this parking lot is packed. And I just remember like a suitcase covering the parking lot and like zipping it up. It's packed. It's ready to go. Or if I heard someone say, I'm sorry, I can't come. I'm under the weather. I just pictured this like rain cloud under them. Like they're trying to run away from it, but it's like there and it's just on them. Or if I heard my family say, we're broke. I got to get nervous because I was like, oh no, are we going to shut down? Are we not going to be able to exist? Are we going to be like robots and just, (laughs) and I know all that's kind of crazy and it's interesting to have an imagination like that. But for some of us, maybe we do have that fear of that last thing that we're living life working extra hours and doing extra things and taking jobs that we really don't want and we're not comfortable with. And we're saying yes to overtime and, and our weekends are going away because we don't want to be 
broke or we'll begin to buy things so it doesn't look like we're broke or we'll begin to uh, uh, work and invest and save and keep and save and invest. And, and, we, and we're trying to get ourselves to a place where we're further and further away from ever being broke, which just means to be completely run out of. And even though for some of us, our bank accounts may be big and they may be full, but for some reason, we still feel broken. And I want to talk about that this morning in a message I'm calling Breaking Broke. Can we pray? Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity to speak your word. And I pray, Lord, that you would just please help us and guide us. Lord, I pray that people would hear your word, not be offended by it, but be challenged by it to make new steps in their faith because of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, uh, let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter six. Matthew chapter six, if you don't have a Bible, can you just raise your hand real quick? And it's not that you just didn't bring your Bible, if, but we, we'd love to have you borrow one. Or maybe you don't own a Bible. We'd love to give you a Bible. This could be like your starter Bible, like the first Bible you have. So if you could just raise your hand real quick, but you could also go to the U version or the Bible app and all the notes, all the scriptures are gonna be available to you for you to, except for that picture I just showed. Everything else will be on our Bible app. All you have to do is click more, go to events, and it's there. The Bible app is a great app, by the way. So you can download that right now or later today. Um, but Matthew chapter six, I'm gonna start reading in verse 19. This is a New Living Translation, and it says this. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will also be. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Here's what verse 24 says. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved by money. A couple weeks ago, my twins had their ninth birthday, like their last year in the single digits. And, and we're having this birthday party for them. They're opening their presents. It's funny, my son, he, he needs to open his presents by himself and then he'll be like, thank you, and he leaves. But my daughter, she makes a big ordeal about it. And there's just this moment where I'm kind of looking at my family and just reflecting on how blessed I am. Like, I have three kids. My, my daughter, Kennedy, she's, she's 13 and she's becoming this great leader who's very talented like her mother. My son, Logan, will try to make you laugh at all times, even if it's inappropriate. Like he will try to make you laugh. Sometimes he does inappropriate things in public, so if you see it, I apologize. He's just trying to make you laugh. And my daughter, Riley, she is so affectionate. In fact, I did this test this week to see who would hug me the longest. So I go, went to all my family members and said, hey, can I have a hug? And they all said they gave me a hug, but then I just held on until they were like, all right, buddy. And like, it was funny, like I got like this, like on my back, like, okay, let's let go. Shelby's like, I got stuff to do, let go. But Riley, I actually said thank you because I hugged her and I feel like it was minutes and she just stayed and she's let me hug her, it was the best. But there's something that my Riley does that is, it's very interesting. It's, uh, she will kind of do this thing 
where she'll go to extremes when I say something. Like for example, if I go in a room, it's a mess, I say, hey Riley, you gotta clean up this room or I'm gonna have to take away iPad time. For some reason, she just heard a couple words and she'll go, Dad, are you trying to say that if I don't clean my room, I'm never gonna be able to see the iPad for the rest of my life? And I'm like, what? What did you? Like she does that. She's like, are you trying to say that you, you don't want me to live here? I'm like, what? Did, where did you get that? Like she heard two words and she went to extreme conclusions. And I bring that up because I don't want you to go to extreme conclusions. I know I said the M word. Oh gosh, you guys are talking about money a lot today. First Miss Abby and then Miss Megan, now you. But here's what I want you to know. God doesn't want you to hate money. He doesn't want you to give up all your money. He doesn't want you to give it all away. In fact, one of the most misquoted verses in the Bible when it talks about money is 1 Timothy 6.10, which says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. The love of money. Sometimes we, don't, we take that love out. We just go, money is the root of all evil. No, no, no. The love of money, meaning the worship of money, is the root of all meaning. So if, if it's not about money, even though he said money, then what is it about? I believe it's about focus, our attention, our time, our energy. And I believe Jesus is telling us how we can break this broke mentality in our lives, that we can live a life where we feel without. So if you're taking notes, there are three things in these three portions of scripture that I think will help us break broke in our lives, meaning we can live a life of no matter what our situation looks like, we can still be full and, and not living without. So if you're taking notes, here's number one. To break broke in our lives, we need to shift our focus. It says in verse 19, don't store up treasures here on earth where moth eat them and rust destroys them, where thieves break in and steal. I love it. If you look at both words in the original language, store up and treasure, they're like almost the same word. So store up is the word theorosio, which is a gather to store to hoard wealth. And treasure is theros, which is a storeroom. So it's storing up to put in a storeroom. And sometimes when we think of treasure, we think of treasure box and we think that treasure is bad. It's not bad because we get to see in both versions. Don't store up your treasure here on earth, but in heaven. So storing up treasure isn't the issue then what is the issue? Well, the issue is what gets our time and our attention? Like, have we spent more time and attention on things of this world than the things of God? Now again, don't jump to extreme conclusions. I'm not saying that God doesn't want you to have any time on possessions and not have possessions. God wants to, you to be a good steward of what he has trusted us with, but he wants to be a part of it. Because he wants your heart. And it says it in the scripture, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, does all my time and attention go towards something that is temporary? Like, can the thing that gets my time and attention get rust and destroy? Can the thing that gets all my time and attention be destroyed by moss? Can it be stolen? Can it cease to exist? And if the answer is yes, then we need to shift our focus. But here's the good news. When we shift our time and attention primarily on the things of God and the plans of God, there's no shelf life to that. God doesn't have an expiration date. God is all knowing. He is all, he's been in all places. 
Time is not limited to him. He is there at all times and all situations. And so when we put our plans and our attention and our focus on all he is, when we bring our lives in with, with God and allow him to be the center of all things, it will never run out. So we never have to ever feel broke because when we shift our focus on God, we are shifting our focus on something that never runs out. Here's number two. To break that broke mentality in our lives, we need to adjust our focus. Verse 22 says, your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And the light you think you have is actually darkness. And how deep that darkness is. So in my years being at Life Church, um, one of the things I have learned and and the couple of things I've learned here is how to operate a camera. For some of you old school people, you remember me before the location pastor, I was the recap guy. I was the guy that would be weird in the, in the lobby and take my camera real close while you're talking and do this. And so I had to learn camera. I never learned camera before. And one of the things I learned about camera is, or cameras, is to learn about camera aperture. Now, camera aperture refers to the opening of a lens diaphragm so that light can pass through. And here's the thing. You can bring a camera into a well-lit room with all the expensive lights and the haze and anything that can sparkle and go and really brighten up the room. But until you make the right adjustments, that camera will not see anything that is in the room. You can put it in all the right places and all the right things, but until you make the right adjustments, you'll see no change. You'll take a picture and go, why is it dark? I, I, I'm in a well, why is it not changing? Because we haven't made the proper adjustments. And you could be in a room where people are worshiping Jesus and they're getting in his word and they're, and they're loving the word and they're saying amen and they're excited. But until you make the proper adjustments, you will not experience what others are experiencing. Here's a funny thing. We, we've already talked about worship night twice. And worship night was powerful. It was a, such an amazing night. And I know for some of you, you're a little irritated that we keep bringing it up because you're like, hey, I wasn't able to go. I couldn't find a sitter. I wish you guys could have gotten sitters. Oh, why couldn't you stream it online? I wish you would have. But as I was thinking about worship night, I go, why was it powerful? I mean, we didn't have a guest worship team. In fact, most of the people that were on the stage today were there on Wednesday. The songs we did this morning, we did on Wednesday. Like there was nothing different about it except one thing, our focus. See, on worship night, we focus ourselves to worship. But sometimes on Sunday mornings, we just focus on getting it done. But God is saying, I want to fill you with my light. All I need you to do is to make some adjustments. Meaning I need you to make some adjustments on saying, God, I know this is uncomfortable for me. I know I wasn't raised this way. This isn't how I worship, but God, I want what that person has. So whatever I need to do, I'm gonna do it because I wanna be obedient to you. I wanna read your word and actually do what it says. So I want you to fill me with your light. So whatever I need to do, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna make the right adjustments so that I can receive from you. That I can hear I can hear the words and the commands of God and, and just say, I'm gonna say it. And I understand 
This is a process. I understand this is, a, is, is gonna be a new thing for a lot of us, but what you're doing when you make those adjustments is you are welcoming God into everyday parts. You're actually allowing the light of God to be your light. Psalm, uh, Psalm 16, eight says, I keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. See, the right hand is the hand of authority. So when we adjust our focus or receive the things of God, he will give us authority when we don't think we have any. In fact, he will give us peace when we have worry. He will give us purpose and a path because he is the light of our life. We just need to make our adjustments to focus and to receive from him and not be closed off by him. See, God wants to fill you that in, in a way that no, nothing in this world can even compare to. But he won't force himself. He won't make you. But he'll speak to you and he'll say, I'm ready when you are. And all we have to do is say, okay, whatever you need to do, do it. Whatever you need me to do, I'll do it. And then he'll become the light that fills our body and gives us peace when it doesn't make sense, gives us strength when we thought we had none, give us purpose, give us wisdom, give us direction. And we are like, whoa. And people can look at our situation and go, you don't make sense. And you go, I know. I thank God for that. Here's number three. To break the broken in our lives, we need to submit our focus. Verse 24 says, no one can serve two masters. For you will hate one and you'll love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and be enslaved to money. The NIV says you can't serve God and money. I love the word mummy, money in the original. It's mammoth, which is wealth and riches. But it's actually where we get the Aramaic word mammon. If you ever heard that word mammon before, it's actually a god that the Babylonians worshipped. They believed that he was a source of wealth and happiness. In fact, in Genesis, we hear about the Babylonians talking and saying, we don't need God, we just need riches. We just need things to help us become more and more important. And mammon will tell you that money is the answer to all life's problems. But the truth is, God is the answer to all life's problems. And the mammon will tell you, no, 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 you just have to save for that, you just have to buy for that, you just have to get out of that, you just have to, you know, have to course with that, you have to just do this. No, 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 money will take care of it, but there's things in this world that money cannot pay for. But here's what I love, when money is submitted to God and his purposes, the spirit of God will be on that money and the spirit of mammon will be destroyed. Because believe it or not, there is a spirit on money. Money isn't evil, but the love and devotion and the worship of money can. So you might be going, okay, so do I need to submit all my money? Like I have to give it all? Like, is there like a room that you guys are like, all right, let's, let's pray over it, you know? Okay, scan, good, ding, you know? No, no, no. Here's a great thing about our God. He doesn't need all your money to bless it. He doesn't need all of it to defeat any spirit on it. He just needs the first tenth. That's all he needs. He needs that tithe. That before anything else, before my money goes to anything else, it's going to God and I'm giving God what's his. And, and, and here's the great thing about it is God will do more with your 90 than your 100. 
because he wants to bless it, because he wants to do things on it. He wants to bless the rest. And here's the thing, I'm not gonna do another giving. Don't worry. The bucket's not gonna be passed again. But the reality is, some of you may go, you know what? God is telling me way too many times that I need to do something different. God is telling me I need to trust him with that. You know, that's why we got the app. That's why we got buckets in the back. Listen, you do what you need to do. Because Jesus doesn't need your money either. But be careful. Because some of you guys are like, no, that's okay. And if you, listen, if you're your first time with us, I'm not telling you to give. You don't even know if this is your church yet. But if you call Life Church your home, God's saying, trust me. Give that tithe to the storehouse and see what I will do in your life because of it. Because if we allow that spirit to stay on, it will actually keep you from ever going towards God. Some of you guys even right now are going, I don't like that he's talking about that. That's what Mammon wants. He wants you to get mad right now. Oh, this church and money. It's every church and money. I can't believe they keep talking about it. And if you're getting angry, I'm sorry. I'm just reading the scriptures. I'm reading what Jesus says. But here's what's funny. As you study the gospels, you're actually gonna find out that Jesus doesn't want money. He doesn't, if you read the stories, he doesn't actually even try to like get a job. <laughs> he doesn't want your money. How do I know this? Because when the rich young ruler comes to him, he says, give away all your money, come follow me. He could have easily said, hey man, why don't you go talk to my friend Judas? <laughs> He'll set you up on something we're gonna be doing for the ministry. When he told the disciples to go, instead of saying, don't take any money, don't, don't take any, he could have said, no, no, take all the money, bring it, bring it, bring it, bring it. When people said, should we, what should we give to Caesar? He would have said, no, don't give any to Caesar. Give all to God. And, and, and in fact, give it to me and I'll, I'll give it to God for you because I'm the son of man. No, Jesus doesn't need money. But yet Jesus talks about money. So if it, Jesus doesn't want our money, then why does he talk about money? Because he knows it's not about money. It's about who do we submit to. When things get tough, who do we go to first? When we're stressed, do we go to his word or do we go to our bank account? When we're worried, do we go to prayer or do we call our accountant? Because here's the thing, God wants to destroy anything that may make you think you have a broke mentality. He wants to destroy any spirit. We serve a God where nothing compares to him. There's no one bigger. There's no one greater. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. So if I'm gonna rebuke things in the name of Jesus, I'm going to submit things to the name of Jesus because he can and he will do all things. Let's go back to 1 Timothy 6.10. I only read the first half. Here's a whole verse. It says this, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and pierced themselves with many sorrows. If we don't submit our focus to God, who can and will do all things, we will wander. And he'll start by saying, you know what, I'm tired of that church talking about money. And he'll go from, you know what, I'm tired of Christians talking about money. You know what, I'm tired of, of the whole money thing. And we'll go from being a person who's pursuing Jesus to where we've completely turned our back because of money. 
because of things that are temporary, because we got offended and hurt about something that we're trying to hold on to. You don't understand. I'm just trying to get out of debt. Why do you keep wanting things? I don't want anything. God just wants you and all of you in every situation. I want to close with a song. I'm not going to have the worship team come up. In fact, if you know the song, I would love for you to sing with me. Okay? Maybe you know, maybe you don't. No worries. Ready? Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Okay, you guys know it. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the... Okay, some of us, I lost some of you guys. You're like, I only knew the first part. I love that song when I was a kid. I, I was raised in Lutheran church and they taught us that song. But the part I loved the most was my Sunday school teacher taught me when it, said, when it says, Zacchaeus, please come down before I'm coming to your house today. She's like, you can yell. We're like, we can yell it? Yes! And so what? And then, and then it said, Jesus said, Zacchaeus, please come down! <laughs> I just, that's why I probably love this church. I'm so loud. I just like being loud. <laughs> but the story is about a man named Zacchaeus. He's a chief tax collector. We, we get to see the story in, in Luke chapter 19 where he goes up the tree because the crowd's coming and he wants to see Jesus and then Jesus looks at him and he says, hey Zacchaeus, I want to actually go to your house. Can I come? And Zacchaeus is like, yeah. And it says the crowd gets mad and they're like, they're angry and they're like, oh my God, why is he going with him? He could have come to my house. And then something happens in Luke chapter 9 verses 8 and it says this, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half my wealth to the poor, Lord. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I will give them back four times as much. Verse nine says, Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the son of man comes to seek and save those who are lost. I'm gonna be honest with you. The first time I read this scripture, Zacchaeus is like, I'm gonna give half my money to the poor. And if I cheated anyone, like, I'm going to get four times as much. I remember reading this going like, Zacchaeus, you're an idiot. Like, you're broke now. Like, half to the poor. And if you cheated anyone, I mean, the scripture says he's a notorious tax collector. And that when he went with them, people are like, I can't believe he's going with that notorious sinner. So he probably became a chief tax collector by maybe cheating a few people. Maybe telling them that the taxes went up this week. But now he's saying if he cheated anyone, he's gonna give four times as much back. He's gotta be broke. But the scripture shows he's not broke. He's whole. Why? Because of Jesus' response. Because you have to understand that Jesus knows our hearts and minds. He's, he knows when someone's being real and genuine or if they're just telling us what they wanna hear. And we know this is real because Jesus responds by saying, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. See, Zacchaeus shifted his focus, adjusted his focus, and submitted his focus to Jesus. And he may have lost it all of his money, but he gained something that even money can't buy, eternal salvation. He is now in heaven with Jesus. And it didn't matter any money he had. In fact, he goes, compared to you, this is worthless. I might as well give it away because I have something is truly remarkable, truly life-changing. And when we understand that Jesus being the center of our lives is more fulfilling than anything we could buy, sell, or invest, we will begin to walk 
and the way Paul walks in Philippians chapter four and verse 11, where he says, now that I have ever been in need, for I learned how to be content with everything I have. I know how to live on almost nothing and with everything. I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or with little, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Doesn't matter what my bank account looks like. Doesn't matter what my situation's like. I'm content because I've welcomed in Jesus and I can do everything through him. That's what God wants for you. How do we break broke? We give everything to him, make him the sin of our lives. And no matter what happens, we will be whole because we have a God who's everlasting, who is all powerful, who's all knowing, and he will get us through. Can I pray with you? So here's the thing though, how do we do that? How do we get to a place where we make him the center of our lives? We do that in salvation. And salvation is something that you have to ask for. It's something that you have to welcome in your life. But here's the great thing about it. Jesus took care of everything so that we could be in right standing with God. He lived a sinless life. He didn't make any mistakes. He went to the cross to become that sacrifice. But the reason that we can be in right standing with God is because he overcame death. So therefore overcame all things. And now we are in right standing with him. But all he needs is us to welcome him in, to be our Lord and our Savior. Lord meaning we're gonna give him control. He's gonna be the center of our lives and Savior meaning we're gonna allow him to save us, to remove any sin that separates us from God. So if everyone head bowed, eyes closed, why? Because I want you to have a one-on-one -on -one moment with God. Even with your spouse next to you, even with your kids next to you, God wants to have a moment and say, are you right with him? Is he the Lord of your life? Is he the sinner in all things? If he's not, he would love to do that right now. We're just gonna do one or two things in a moment. I'm just gonna have you just raise your hand, look at me, and then we'll just say a simple prayer together. And if you believe in our heart, it says that we will be a new creation in him. So if that's you and you're saying, you know what? I don't know if I've ever done that. I don't know if I ever did it right, but I wanna do that right now. Can I just have you lift up your hands and look at me? Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, love it, love it. Church, can we say this prayer together? Say, Jesus, thank you for what you did on the cross for me. I give you my life to do whatever you need to do. I welcome you to be my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. If you said that prayer in a moment, we're gonna talk about just the next steps we could do to get you on your Jesus journey. But with your head up, I, I wanna ask you one more time. I wanna pray with you one more time. If you're in here, you say, you know what? I am a Jesus person. But man, I need to shift my focus. Jesus hasn't been the center. He hasn't been my number one. I've been focusing on other things, but I wanna shift that today. If that's you, can I just have you raise your hand real quick so I can pray with you? Thank you. So Jesus, right now, we thank you Lord, that people who are, are no longer gonna to try to do life without you being the center. And we pray, Lord, that there'd be great testimonies that would come out of it, where it'd be people who are saying, you know what, I was like this, but now because of Jesus, I have peace. I was stressed, but now I have 
power. I was worried, but now I have wisdom and direction and guidance because Jesus is the center of everything. Whether my, my, my life is going great or it's in a place of worry, it doesn't matter because Jesus is at the center of it all. So Lord, I pray in all situations you be with us and you give us a story that would change and transform lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're gonna go into a time of communion. I love that communion can, can kind of be broken down into three words, which by the way, if you didn't get a communion cup and you'd like to do communion with us, just raise your hand real quick and our ushers would love to come bring you one. Three words can really describe communion. Rejoice, remember, reflect. Rejoice is meaning it's a celebration. What we're doing is rejoicing because the love of Jesus has removed our sins. And now that bridge that I talk about in salvation between us as God is made so we can rejoice for what he did. But we also can remember that Jesus was beaten, humiliated, crucified for us. And that the bread and the cup represent his body being broken and his blood being poured out. And then we can reflect, meaning, even though I can rejoice and remember, am I in right place for this? Because this should be a celebration, not a ritual. This should be something that you say, you know what, God, I'm thankful that I am a new creation in you. But am I holding on to anything? Am I not walking in your forgiving power? Am I not in that? So before we even begin, I just want you to stop and reflect. God, am I in right standing with you? And if not, I ask you that you get me in right standing with you, that I would forgive, that I would move forward in you. Let's just do that for a moment. All right, you could take the bread, which is the little top, little foily thing at the top here. And you know, the Bible says in the scriptures, as they were eating, Jesus took some of the bread and he blessed it and he broke it and he gave it to his disciples. And he said, take and eat, this is my body that will be broken for you so that you may be whole. Let's take the bread together. And then he took the cup and he gave it to him and gave thanks to God and he said, each of you drink from it, this is my blood, which confirms the covenant between God and his people. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. Let's just reflect on the sins that he has forgiven us in and let's drink together. So Lord, we thank you. We thank you that we can remember, reflect, and rejoice in what you did in this time of communion. I pray that it would draw us closer and closer to you. I pray that you'd be our focus in everything, in every situation, so that we can walk in the blessings you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys. Hey, thanks for joining us. If you wanna dive even deeper into your faith, Check out our other podcasts and small groups. You can find more information at lifechurchgreenbay.com. We can't wait to see you next week.